Let's begin. Hi, there it is. And let there be sound. Bada bing, bada boom. Oh, isn't life good? Life is good. We have coffee, we have cookies, and always the Holy Spirit with us. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, I'm excited about our, our coffee shop. Amen. Hallelujah. If you have not been down there and, and uh, just experienced being a, an owner of a coffee shop, and then you need to do that. Just walk in there and, you know, uh, you, you might not walk behind the counter and start serving people, if you know what I mean. But, but again, you have a part in the coffee shop and we want to encourage you to use that for the kingdom of God. You know, this week was a very exciting week for me because... Uh, two people in my life came to the coffee shop. One of them was the lady that cuts my hair. Her name is Ashley. And I've been inviting her, you know, to the church. And you know how many times she's come so far? Zero. So far. So far. Zero. But you know how many times she's been to the coffee shop? One time already. And she says, man, I can't wait to come back. The guy that fixes my car, you know, those crazy BMWs, you know, I, I got this older car that's a little car, and let me tell you, I took it to where I get my Chevy fixed, and they go, sorry. So you kind of get to being in a spot where you got to go to a certain place, and super nice guy, you know, uh, he's from uh, Venezuela, and the only thing I have close to Venezuela is friends from Brazil, and boy, I was throwing it down. I'm a friend. So anyway, over the course of months of just relationship with him, he came to the coffee shop and he was so excited that he knew me and just how that I invited him and he's there and he, I mean, let me tell you, it might have been a little bit of the caffeine in the coffee, I'm not for sure, but, but he was excited about being there and it just was, it, it was very uh, energizing, you know, uh, being able to share the love of God with people, you know, not just saying, please, and I want them to come to the church and hear the word of God, but, but at this point in their life, they're, they're, you know, need a relationship because people don't care how much I know until they know how much I care. Everybody in agreement with that? So this morning, I want us to get to a different place. We're in the series, uh, Tell Me Your Story. And this morning, I'm going to preach a message on it's important to tell yourself your story. You know, the confession out of your mouth and to hear it because the most important person to hear your story is yourself. Now, this morning, you know that probably, you know, just in my experience is some of the, the most, uh, the big three, I call them, the, uh, prayer requests, okay? If, if we have prayer requests, a lot of times they'll fall into the big three, and that is uh, on health or healing. And we also know that money and blessings, you know, if you're going through some financial or you just want to expand your capacity and go, blessings money and blessings. And the third one is uh, our relationships, peace in our relationships, and, and just being able to not be in conflict with people. And we know as believers, we walk in love, and but that is hard. Anybody agree with me on that? That's hard sometimes to walk with people in love, in, in peace, in our relationships. So when we come to God, we say, God, would you help me on these? And, and a lot of times these are the three. 
So if you would, let's start out this morning in in confession. Would you just stand with me? I'm going to tie my shoe as you stand. I don't want to give you a sermon and a show when I trip over my... (laughs) This morning, I want us to confess with our mouth the Scripture. Now, this is so important to understand that David, and we call it, you know, uh, the promise of the Lord is my shepherd series or the passage. Oh my goodness. Can anybody see that? Okay, good. Because you got better eyes than me. So I'm going to read it off my page here. So would you just read this with me? And it's out of the NIV. It's not out of the King James. So if you were a child and you memorized this, this is out of the NIV. So let's read it out of the NIV together. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Whoa, whoa, wait just a minute. Anybody else have a problem right there? Good. Let's go on. I lack nothing. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for His namesake. For even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Wait just a minute. Are, are you, as we're reading this, are you, are you picturing it? Because it's easy to get in kind of a rhythm. The Lord is my shepherd. But if you're picturing it, He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. I will get you. Wait just a minute. God's going to just fix me a little food here in the presence of my enemy. You got the good confession coming out of your mouth? I don't know what you're going through this morning, but this is, again, a confession that God has it all taken care of. Are you going to be in agreement with the Word? Are you going to be in agreement with the Word? All right, let's go ahead and read again verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may be seated. This morning, the most important person that's going to hear your story is you. You have to realize that when it says, allow God to be true and every man a liar, again, the culture that we live in A lot of times the people that we do life together are not believers in God. They don't have a relationship. Even if they say, I believe there is a God, there's a difference between a person that says, I believe there is a God, and the people that say, I believe there is a God, and I'm in relationship with Him. And the difference is that even when they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they fear no evil because they realize He's with them. It's not easy. Nobody promises. No pastor should promise you're going to have a rose garden the rest of your life when you come to Jesus. But it makes our understanding that when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, that our security is already taken care of because he's with us. To realize when the culture that's around us whispers, are you sure? We say, yes, we are. And the fear, doubt, and unbelief begins to tug at our hearts. And we begin to kind of, you know, you know, I'm there. 
If I'm not careful, I begin to get in agreement with what goes against God's word instead of standing on the promises of God. So that's why it's important for us to begin to realize our story. And nobody can talk us out of our story of what God's done in our life. So this morning, I want us to talk on the subject of, again, do you have a story? And, and kind of how to, to see what we're talking about in building your story. Because a lot of people will say, you know, I, I have hindsight, which is twenty twenty. I can look back and I can tell the things that God has done in my life. But what we're doing is we're realizing that the choices we make today will determine where we are tomorrow. A lot of times when you hear that, you think, well, I don't want to make any bad choices because I don't want to be in a bad place tomorrow. So, so this morning when we say that, I want you to hear that we're going to make some good choices and, and then we're going to be in a good place because of those choices and we'll begin to see that story begin to grow that we're not just talking about, you know, back when I was in sixth grade, you know, I prayed and God gave me an A on the test. That, that's good as long as you're in sixth grade. But it's time to go on to see God move in your life. Believe God for your for things that are going on around you that you've been praying for you, believing for, walking by faith. This morning, I'm pretty excited. So I'm going to allow God to begin to speak as I speak the passage of Scripture that God has placed on my heart. And I'm going to trust that you allow the Holy Spirit to customize it right where you are. I, I don't have time to each one of you say, you know where you are at your job and that guy that's... You customize as the Holy Spirit allows and brings this into your mind, okay? So turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles, I, I want you to bring them, if you will, and a pen and a paper. We're going to do part two next week. Let me tell you, I, I have part 10, but we're only going to do part one and two at this moment. Because, you know, this week as I was, you know, just kind of allowing God to speak in my life and, and go through these things in my mind and processing, uh, you know, even, even all through the week. But this morning I, I sat with Gwen and, and we were just talking and, and she goes, bang, you know, she'll tell me something that God's telling her and I'm telling her and tell her. And before long, we're just, okay, we got to go, we got to go. This morning, I want you to see, and we're going to be talking about two separate stories. So I don't want you to get them mixed up, but they're two of the same parallel, in my opinion, what I'm going to preach today. Both in 2 Kings chapter 4, the first one is a story of a, a widow. And, and there's a similar story like this about Elijah. Okay, just remember with a J. But this story is about Elisha, S-H. Okay, now watch this. In chapter 4, it says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Stop for a minute. In the world that we live in, the culture in America and the blessings that we live in, aren't you glad that they don't come and get our children for slaves? Do you know that even bankruptcy law says they can't take our house? But they will, you know, be able to do other things. But this is severe. Everybody here would be in agreement. That is severe. Are you kidding me? Because of debt that this family has, this woman has no way of paying it and they're going to come and take her two sons. She has a need. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? 
Now, here's a key. Here's a key. And some of you have heard a sermon on this, so don't jump ahead yet. In other words, to the lady, he's saying, what do you have? Come on, come on, come on, come on. What do you have? What do you have that God can bless? What is it? Come on. And, and a lot of times in counseling, people say, I have nothing. I don't, I don't know. I've got this bad background. I've got this. I've got that. I'm telling you, I, I have nothing. Listen what happens. This lady responds similar to a lot of times what we say. We have nothing. But here's what she responds. Your serving, servant has nothing there at all. And then she begins apparently to think, and she says, except a small jar of olive oil. Now, stop there, and, and we've got the whole passage up there, so don't jump ahead of me too much. But think about this. If you are in a problem, and you're going to have your kids sold off into slavery, a little bit of oil, it's a no count. I, I have nothing. That is, that's a little, but that's nothing. Again. To, to understand of what God has put in our possession, He's saying in the covenant between the believer and God, He's saying, all that I have is yours. Will you give me all that you have? As we talked about in, in the Lord's Supper this morning, as we took, and, and the lady says, I don't have anything to give you. Well, I have this little oil. So this morning, I don't want you to discount anything. Allow God to look through your life. You look through your life and say, this is what I have. Nothing but just a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Shut the door. Shut the door. No, we're done. Shut the door. We're going in. He says, go in and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. Now, if God, through His Holy Spirit, speaks to you. Now, if, if let me just say, say this. A lot of times people say, I don't know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. We realize that the Word of God says, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my thoughts are higher than the heaven is from the earth. And a lot of times we get into the place when we get a thought, we think, that's kind of crazy. I don't think I'm... <laughs> Would you allow God to be God in your life? He's asking this lady to do something that she could have went, that's crazy. You mean you want me to go to my neighbors and ask for containers? They know I'm poor. They know that I've got nothing. What will I be doing with those? Have you ever thought, God, what am I going to do with that? But she does it. She left him and, what? Shut the door behind her and her son's. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her sons, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Just a side part of the story. Is there any regret in this? Except she wishes now she had more jars. What was crazy is, oh man, I wish I would have had some more. You kind of go the both ways. And this is what happens. In verse 7 it says, She went and told the man of God, and he said, Now go sell the oil and pay your debts. 
You and your sons can live on what is left. Now, everybody here, do you realize how much of a miracle this is? Everybody can get excited, but how much more excited would it be if it was our personal situation? If it was our children going to be sold into slavery just in a few hours, days, whatever, we don't know, but it's coming. And then all of a sudden you have a resource to be able to sell and provide the debt, pay off the debt that is there. Now you have what? You have freedom for your children. Now, I'm, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is, is working in your situation. Just allow Him to work. Because a lot of times when we hit an obstacle, when the, we feel like we can't go on, it's because we say, there's really nothing, I don't have anything. God says, oh yeah, you do. Because I'm your Father. And you have something that I can use. She has a need. She puts her faith in God. She worked her faith. She had to do something. Again, faith without works is dead. She didn't sit on the couch with all the vessels and go, man, I wonder if that, that's going to fill up by itself. No, she did something. She was obedient. And we know that she receives a miracle. Now watch this. Here's what you're going to hear, kind of the buzz phrase through this message. She allowed room for the anointing of God to come alive in her story. The anointing, the power of God. She allowed room. She says, God, I I don't have anything, but I'm going to allow room for you to be able to work in my life. By your reaction, I saw that going a whole different way. This is revelation. If you think about the woman with the issue of blood, she's been in a bad situation for years. And remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago, where Jesus has really a church official say, my daughter is dying. And he says, I'll go to your house. And as he's going to his house, a lady touches the, the garment, his garment. And he says, whoa, 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 wait, just a minute. Somebody touch me. And he knows that the power, the anointing, the dumina, the, the, you know, that short, that, that word that comes from dynamite, the power, he says, there's been a, the anointing, leave my body. I, I want you to see this because it's similar to this lady in the Old Testament. And, and what's happening is the lady with the issue of blood is allowing room for the the power of God to work in her story. I have a need. Will I allow room for God to work in my life? Or will I say, well, you know what? If Jesus would come to my house, he could heal me. But the lady says, no, no, no. I'm going to go to Jesus. Again, the persistence of just going and, 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 and realizing that we serve a loving father that isn't going to show when we show up, go, and why are you here? He's going to go, woohoo, I'm glad you're here. I've been waiting on you to allow me to work into your situation. Okay, now I'm excited because the next part of this passage is about a whole nother lady, okay? Because, you know, when I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with somebody this week, they're going, now was that the widow with the oil? No, 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 no. This is a whole nother lady, but Elisha is working in another situation that is going to allow, this person's going to allow God to work in her in a whole nother way.
this first lady is under an emergency mode. And, and we all get there in time when we say, God, I got to have you. I, I have an issue of blood and I healed. I have the creditors coming in. They're going to take my children. Oil is given in order to pay the debt. But here's something that we don't see in our life as necessarily being a place of allowing God to work in our life. Now, now look at verse 8. This is probably one of my wife's favorite passages of Scripture. I'll just let you know this, because when I told her I was preaching that, she kind of inched her chair up closer. Okay, tell me what your thought. Verse 8 says, One day Elisha went to the Shunem, and a well-to-do woman, okay, she's wealthy, she's got some money, Okay, everybody, I want to make sure you know that. She, you could have said, one day Elisha went to the Metroplex of the United States in Dallas-Fort Worth and met you, a wealthy person. You know, we all are wealthy that live here in this country. Yes, we are. Okay. She was a well-to-do woman and she lived there and she urged him to stay for a meal. She would, as, as Elisha would pass her house, she was kind of in a, in a location where people traveled by and she urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. Now remember, there's a lot of people in this vicinity, but she's the one that goes, hey, 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 there he is, come on. No, you're going to stay at my house and eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man was, who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Now watch this. Has, has your wife ever asked you for something and she's kind of, you know, hey, you <laughs> Oh, This lady has it going on. She can communicate clearly with a good reason. Now watch what she says. I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. Do you hear what's happening here? Come on, come on. She's making room for, in the Old Testament, the voice piece of God was the prophet. And the prophet would speak for God. In, in, in this is an Old Testament communication through God, through the prophet. She's saying, if I can get the Word of God in my house, the influence of the Word of God will be on me. The Word of God will be on an influence on my family. The Word of God will be an influence and an affluence everybody that's around me. Let, let's build a room so he can stay here when he passes by. Verse 11, One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servants, Gehazi, Called the Shunammite, so he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can we do for you? Can we 
speak on behalf to the king or the commander of the army. Now, now again, here's what the man of God is saying. Can I speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? I want you to remember that because we're, we're going to take this next week and I want you to see how Kiev comment that is. But that isn't what she says. It says this. She replied, I have a home among my own people. In other words, I'm content. It says, what can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Now again, I want you to recall that in this time in history, without a husband or without a man, the wife again gets into serious problems. That's what was happening in our first story. If the two sons were sold into slavery, this lady would be, who knows? So the a servant of the prophet goes, hey, I got an idea. How about a son? Apparently, this is already out of the mind of possibility. Apparently, her husband was old. They had probably tried. There's just nothing going to happen. It, it wasn't going to happen. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood there in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. Do you think that she did the Jehovah Jireh, my provider? No. Here's what she says. No, my Lord. She, she's exclamation mark. She objected, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. In other words, in that one phrase, she's saying, could it be that my God could do the impossible in my life? And, and it, it says, even though she, she, she's like, are you it says this, but the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. Now remember, just as God speaking through Elisha said, it happened. Now again, we can get excited for her, but how much more excited would you be if that was your story? So let's enjoy hearing her story today. It says this. The child grew and one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers. Again, they're a well-to-do family, well family. They have land, probably some kind of farming, agriculture that's being done. He's out with the people that are bringing in the harvest and this son runs out. He said to his father, my head, my head. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. So we don't know how old this boy is, but we probably can assume that he's young enough that he can be carried, but old enough that he can go out to the pasture by himself. So let's say seven, eight years old. He's a little boy. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon. And then he died. She went up and laid him 
on the bed of the man of God. Then shut the door and went out. Again, I want you to see. Don't, don't miss it. Where is she laying the child? On the bed of the, where she had already built the room for the man of God. The word of God in her house. Now, again, I want you to see this as a point of refuge, a point of contact, of faith. She shuts the door and went out. She called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. So he, he doesn't know what has happened. And he says, Why go to him today? He asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. Look what she said. That's all right. See, something is working in her. This is the lady that's made room for the presence of God in her house. And we're about ready to see what this lady's made of. So she asked the dog, she asked, she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. This is where Elisha's going to be. Look, it says, when he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, look. There's the Shumanite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you still all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? What would you say? Look at what she responds. Everything is all right. Does the Word of God tell us in Romans to speak to things that are not as if they are? In other words, by faith, we're saying it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It says, when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet and Gezai came over to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She's in bitter distress. But the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Now look at what she says. Did I ask you for son, Lord? Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. In other words, put on your tennis shoes and get going. He says, take my staff. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the children's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Do you see the consistency and the, the persistence of this lady? Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, The boy has not awakened. When Elisha then reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, he shut the door. How many times have we said shut the door already today? He shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And 
Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, and stretched himself out on him. How many people today would go, what are you doing? Get off of him. God don't work like that. You know what? If that was my son or your son, you'd probably say, whatever, man of God, you need to do. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked down, uh, walked back and forth in the room, and then got back on the bed and stretched out one more, once more. And the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. You know what I love about it? If someone's trying to tell a, a lie or a story, do, do they add that many details? Isn't it amazing? Sneeze seven times. Why is that in the Word of God? No idea. Study the Word of God. No idea. I don't want to say it's God's perfect number, so He's seen seven times. No, I'm not getting into that. I'm just saying that it is amazing how this detail is. And his eyes begin, it, it opens, and Elisha summons Gehazi and said, call the Shumanite, the lady. And, and he did. And when she came in, he says, take your son. She comes in, falls at his feet, bowed to the ground, and took her son and went out. Now this morning, as you and I are here this at church, and we're talking about tell me your story, and, and again, let me remind you the most important person is you to hear your own story. So I want you to tell yourself your story. But as we're building our story through the course of our life, of the goodness of God here while we're living, God's going to be great in heaven, but God is good right here if we just open our eyes. And some people go, you know what, Pastor? I, I, never, I, I never had a son raised from the dead, so I really don't have a story. Then my question to you is, have you made room for God in your life? Here, here's something that I want to encourage you. you. You're making room for God just being here this morning. Why? Because I'll guarantee you, unless you're hearing the Word of God during the week through sermons, you won't hear this during the week at work. Or down at your son's Little League game. Or wherever. You're providing room. You're building room for God to work in your life. When you come to the Christian education and we're talking about something totally different on this morning on overcoming an emotion or a revenge in our life and how that can get a hold of you, let me tell you, you're making room for God. Why? Because you're hearing things that you'll never hear in our world today. You know what the world tells you? Getting back for hurt. Yeah. And something about it, because it's the flesh, that we're not walking by the Spirit as a believer, we're walking by the flesh. There's something that feels good about someone telling us, okay, I'm giving you permission to go get him. During the week when you're in the Word of God and you're, you're making room for God in your life, you know as well as me, when, when, when somebody says something to you at work, I'm not saying that it's going to be easy for you. And let me tell you, as the pastor of the church, it's not easy for me. But when you've made room for God to speak in your life, you realize what's going on 
in that situation. That you're not warring against flesh and blood. Oh, it feels like it. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes her name is Gwen Miller. My wife. Can I tell you that people that say that Christianity and believing in God is just a crutch are really just too scared to try it themselves? Walking in love is not for the faint at heart. <laughs> it's so much easy just to be surly, you know? A little salty. What you looking at? You know? Here's a lady, and I just want you to, because God's already spoken to you. But let me bring out some things before I dismiss, and we'll talk about it next week. Is remember that the promise leads this lady to say in the middle of the crisis, it's all right. All is well. Personally, I think that she shut the door on all that fear, doubt, and unbelief in her life. She says, you know what? It's well. And she goes on because of the promise that God had given her about having a son. I want you to look real quick and just let me bring out some, some observations that I hope are working in your life. The, the first characteristic of this lady is contentment. We don't see that she's a complainer, which a lot of times if you're not careful, you can become a complainer because we always know that we have all that we need, but there's never a time when we really have all that we want. But there's a difference in wanting to expand our life. And, and again, you know, the Jabez prayer to extend our, our boundaries in our life. But there's a difference between, God, I don't have more. Why can't I have it now? God, you're not the God of the, you know. Come on. And being content where we're at and saying, God, I know that you're working in my life. And God, as I make room for you in my life, I, one day you're going to show me again how to step, how to step, how to walk in your love, how to walk in capacity being extended. She had contentment in her life. She, she has been blessed. She's resourced. The second thing I want you to see is she has a kind heart, compassionate. She makes room for the man of God as he comes through. Remember that the kind heart really opens the door to the blessings that God has for her. As she makes room for God, the ripple effects of that brings the desire of her heart. Are you, are you hearing me on that? Because let me tell you, a, a person with a kind heart that's looking for someone to bless, in the world that we live in, you won't have to look long. There's always people in need. Allowing God to direct you to that person or people. And then I, I love the, the thought of her being persistent. Persistent. There's a lot of people that'll believe for something for faith today and they'll be over it tomorrow. I, you know, I went on something else. Because I love the statement that faith without works is dead and people will say, you know, I tried that faith stuff and it just doesn't work. No, 
faith tried you and you didn't work. You gave up on it. You weren't consistent and persistent in your walking it out by faith. There's things that I was believing for years ago that are just happening now in my life and it's so exciting. Do you know, maybe you don't really realize it, but you, as part of this body of believers, have made room for the Word of God. When you look down some probably thousand feet to the west of our property, we built a building that people love to come to. Are we going to have some people that don't like the coffee? Yeah. We're going to have some people that don't like someone working behind the counter? Oh, yeah. You know it. But there's going to be a lot of people that come to that place just because we made room for them to walk in the door. I hope you keep your eyes open. Because I believe because of that obedience, we're going to see God work in our church. Let me say it again. The church is us. Not the, not the sheetrock and the tile and the light. It's us. So by doing that, making room for God as a body of believers, keep your eyes open because God's going to work in our lives. And the blessings of God are going to begin. And, and don't say, well, I did this and that. No, the glory belongs to the Lord. So, so let me just wrap it up because it gets kind of choked up about even next week on what we're going to talk about on the same story. But as we begin to pray, God put us in the right place at the right time to meet the right people to bring about all that you have for us. God, here, here's what I'm praying, God. Even though I'm in the right place because you put us in the right place at the right time to meet the right people. God, can, can you do one more thing? Can you make me aware when I'm there? Because sometimes I'm not even conscious that I'm in the right place at the right time until after the time that I'm in the right place. God, if, if, I, if, if I can just be in the right place at the right time and, and I meet somebody that leads to this blessing, to this blessing, if you're just aware of it, there's something about a person that's aware of blessings. They're so much more blessed that you come to the church and you go, oh my goodness. <laughs> and everybody goes, uh-uh, what is it? Come on, you got a blessing this week. Nobody had to ask Kristen and Justin, how'd your week go? <clears throat> if you didn't know, they got engaged last night if you came in late. Now, now watch this, Justin, I'm not his lawyer, so I don't have lawyer privilege, you know, that I'm not going to tell anybody, but I wanted to. But he, he talked to me this week, he goes, Pastor, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask for her hand in marriage. I said, you think she's going to say yes? He said, she'll probably say, it's about time. Now, now, in a little way, just a little way, I want you to realize the blessing of God on their lives 
we have all a little bit of a part of that. Because we have a church that two young people that love God come to church. They meet each other. And now they're singing, Jehovah Jireh, my provider is... All right, all right. Let's pray. Paul will come and give us some announcements. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Father, our desire is God to keep our eyes open as we, in obedience, make room for you to work in our lives. The God that each day that we're here on this earth, that God that our eyes are open, that we're saying, God, here's, a, here's another way that I'm giving to you to work in my life. This is a, another way I'm making room for the anointing, the power of God to work in and through my life. God, we thank you for your blessings. God, your direction. God, we thank you. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen.